1: Welcome back to Earth Station Trek, a show where we trek from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. I'm Charles Kelso, and it's my privilege to introduce the Earth Station Trek crew, Keith Johnson. Greetings. Alan Seiler. Howdy. And Veronica Daschle. Hi. And we got the band back together this week after Yay! several weeks. Yay! We're all here.
2: I missed all you guys a lot when you weren't on the last <laughs> couple of weeks.
1: Just like last season of discovery. We're all coming together. Again. <laughs>
2: <laughs> exactly right.
3: <laughs> we
2: should all get up and change our clothing like three times during the podcast. True. <laughs>
1: well, what's happening in the news, Alan?
2: Um, well, um, there was a big announcement this week that got everybody that doesn't live in North America all riled up. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> even some people that live in North America. who so I mean, do. <laughs> yeah. And I know that, uh, Charles, you and Keith have some strong feelings about this. Yeah. So why don't you why don't you take this one?
1: Okay. At the last minute, the two days before the yeah. season premiere of Discovery, they announced that uh, Discovery will not be on Netflix internationally anymore. It'll be coming to Paramount Plus, and Paramount Plus is going to be in many other markets in the coming year. And I thought, hey, that's great, including Discovery, which will be debuting on Paramount Plus in various countries at some point in 2022. Yeah. So everyone who <laughs> is ready to watch Discovery this week and yeah, they're not. Sorry, folks. Which is yeah. uh I mean, there's a lot of streaming services out there. Uh we're asking people to pay for additional
2: streaming service. You don't want everybody to hate your streaming service. Nope. Exactly. <laughs> why why are you getting the entire planet mad at you? Yeah, like, that's us.
0: that's gonna that's gonna send people to go do and find it somewhere else where they won't give you any money at all whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Like not just the people who aren't going to get it right away. It's going to send people like, why am I giving you money when you're going to do this sh- thing?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I know you had some big thoughts on this key.
3: Yeah, I have. The, it was so weird because um, as I mentioned more, more than once, I try to avoid knowing about my shows before I go into them. So I was not reading a lot of stuff, but then all of a sudden I started seeing stuff and people were mad about something. So I didn't know what they were mad about. So I actually had to go back and actually Charles, when I saw your post is when I realized what was going on. And then I read it and I thought, are you kidding me? Because you can't tell me that they couldn't have worked something out. Again, two days beforehand, it just Mm -hmm. makes no sense. And also what you said, one thing that really also upsets me is Netflix International is in right at 200 markets across the world. Paramount Plus will be able to get into about 49 Mm. best case by January of next year. That means a whole bunch of people still won't get to see this, even when they do start rolling it out. And I was listening or watching some of the Facebook responses online. There are people in parts of Great Britain who say they still won't have access to it initially because the way Paramount Plus comes in, I, th- I think it's Sky something in Great Britain they'd have to get to. Some yeah. people don't have access to it. So some people literally just won't have access. What a lot of people around the world kept saying was now is how do you avoid spoilers in this mm-hmm. day and age, which, yeah. is, which is a big thing. Yeah. And for me, real quickly, pers- a personal thing this is this makes me sound like a dinosaur because I understand the world is what it is and the world has moved forward I have never felt and still don't feel that Star Trek should be behind a paywall I just don't Mm -hmm. it was not behind a paywall for the better part of five decades or four decades it's and I really think that despite how intrinsically good Star Trek is one of the reasons people came to love it is because it was everywhere and it was easy to access of course that was in the days of television I get Mm that but it was always easy to watch. And you didn't have to own a DVD or a blu Ray. You didn't have to go do s- streaming. And so I, I still don't like the fact that any of the Trek shows are behind a paywall already. But I've I've ponied up and I've paid for them. And I think when you do something like this, it just puts even more of a bad taste in people's mouths because they want to watch Star Trek. And Star Trek has had some of the most loyal fans for 50 some odd years. And to me, it's just like a slap in the face to do something like this, especially when there's, I don't care what Paramount says, there's no way they couldn't have done a better deal than this again, two days before. Because mm-hmm. when you, you did the post, I read it and I reread it. And I kept thinking, I thought I missed something completely. I'm like, was this, does this, this announced two weeks ago? I'm like, wait, yesterday? Are you yeah. kidding me? I can't imagine. And then the biggest thing, because I also posted in the Earth Station track is Anthony Rapp had... Has done. He's gone on social media and says, "I'm sorry because a lot of people, including Nana Visitor and Garrett Wong from other shows, were at Destination Track in London just a week or so ago, really trumpeting the premiere of season four of Discovery. They didn't know this. Yes, it was bad.
1: (laughs) And I empathize with the way they feel. I remember, I remember when Doctor Who came back in 2005, and there was no Mm -hmm. U.S. deal for release, like in the Horizon. We ended up getting like a year and a half later."
2: Yeah, exactly. Wow. Seriously? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, the interesting thing is that uh, people were – once it did get a U.S. deal, everyone expected it to naturally be on BBC America. But Mm -hmm. it was Sci-Fi Channel that picked it up because Uh, they outbid BBC America for it. Okay. And so it was it was a crazy, crazy time.
1: Yeah, they were they would play the Christmas specials for the next June and it was terrible. <laughs> so but I mean that but we I, we also hadn't been watching it for three years and expected to watch it this Friday and then find out it's not coming out, which is yeah. it, it's infuriating. And I've been thinking about right. how it should affect this show. I don't I don't mm. want everyone to feel like they're cut off. If if you're not North America and you listen to our show, I don't want you to feel like you should be afraid to listen to our show. You're so right. I think that I'll make a point of making sure there's no spoilery graphics for episodes or previous episodes of Discovery on our you know our, our little episode covers that go out and making sure that we're clear about when spoilers are gonna be and what timestamps the spoilers are gonna be at. So if you like if you like discovery, you can still feel like you could watch the show safely and not have to run into spoilers and not have to not see us for A year and a half until you until you've seen this (laughs) movie. Yeah, Um, we would not enjoy that. No, no, definitely not. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely be better about having spoiler warnings and try to put it in the show notes when the spoilers are going to be for which shows and things like that. Now that everything's weird.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I said I we live in North America and we have access to it, and I'm I'm ticked off for Mm -hmm. people around the world. Yeah, it just sucks. Yeah, And,
1: and if you're outside North America and you see something in our show that we could be doing differently. Let, let us know. I mean, send us an email, you know, hit, hit us up on Facebook or Twitter um, because we're happy to adjust where we can and, and make the show for everybody.
2: Yeah. And, and on most weeks, we have started the pattern, you know, at least a month before this mm-hmm. of making sure we have a, you know, non-current show segment before we go into the current show. So there's still content for people who either can't see the newest episode or don't want to see the newest episode. Right. And so this just reinforces the need to keep doing that. Right. Now this week was a little bit different because we had two brand new episodes that we have to review. Yeah. Um, okay. So it, it, it's kind of difficult, but I mean, from now on, you know, at least for the, until those five weeks when we have overlap again, between uh, two different shows at the same time, you know, we will absolutely do our best to keep, um we'll we'll I'll just say legacy content as our first segment and mm. you know a, a, a spoilery review for our second segment.
1: Right. And we'll be careful about the season four creep into the general discussion because exactly you know sometimes exactly. the, sometimes the, the lines get crossed there. Exactly. But yeah, we're we're we'll definitely be aware of it and we'll definitely adjust and make sure that you know the show's still for everybody. And if you're outside of North America, I'm sorry this happened to you we're all on your side.
2: Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Agreed.
1: All right, Keith, did you have some This Week in Trek for us this week?
3: I did. I had just a few for This Week in Trek, um, week of November 14th. On the 17th of November, 1966, saw the premiere of part one of the now famous episode, The Menagerie. Oh, hey. Yeah. Yeah. Very significant. But, um, Victoria, you've seen... I bunch you've seen... <laughs> sorry. I wrote down Victoria here for something else. You've seen both versions, the Cage and the Menagerie?
0: Yes, at some point.
1: Yeah. I feel like we talked about the anniversary of the Menagerie like a month ago. Or maybe that was when they were filming it. Maybe that was a few yeah, months. Yeah, that was when they were filming it. It. Okay. it, right? I was like, has it been a year since then? That can't
3: be right. No, <laughs> definitely not. Yeah, this is when it actually debuted. Um, you know, classic, great show. Yeah,
1: uh, the Menagerie is epic. In the Star Trek sense, because it was the first time there was really a Star Trek universe of the history on the Mm. show. I mean, you would get references to, like, past starships and things like that, and you get some of the different uniforms. But, I mean, they, I mean, imagine you're just watching the show, and it flashes back 13 years to the Enterprise looks entirely different. There's a different crew with different uniforms and young Spock, and it's, like,
3: mind-blowing. Like, whoa. Right. Yeah. They must have spent a fortune on this one. (laughs) <laughs> that's, a, that's a very good point because if you haven't seen the cage it's going to completely catch you off guard and yeah. you're going to have you know you're going to have a Spock who's smiling and a Spock who screams the women and all the you know, famous things that they talk about you got the you got the great gooseneck monitors on the ship and i don't know if you remember the the transporter sequence of pike ship that was awesome because yep, yep. there was two guys and there was one guy who literally was wearing glasses at the yep. transporter console. And the one, the older guy, he's doing all this stuff and they punching and it's going on. Then he points to the other guy. And mm-hmm. then I swear that transport took like a minute to get going. And it was a slower
1: transport, too. But it, it seemed like yeah. a more technical thing. I mean, and it should be. You're disassembling people at the molecular level and transporting right. them to a planet. Like it exactly. should be you should have some guy there waiting for a hand signal or something. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A long time. So that... the menagerie was the only version of the cage I'd seen because the cage, it was out on tape at that point mm-hmm. in the early nineties when I was watching. Mm-hmm. But um, I saw the menagerie long before that. And then when I finally saw the cage, it was just the footage from the menagerie with the black and white footage cut between it. You know, the, the bits that were missing from the cage. It was before the full color version was around. But yeah. um, yeah, I love the menagerie. I think it's a great episode.
3: I do, too. I do, too. I still am not quite sure about that mutiny Spock created, but that's a whole mm-hmm. lot <laughs> of Spock did. Well,
1: no, it's the season three. He said there's never been a mutiny on a starship.
3: <laughs> yeah, I don't remember, buddy. What are you talking about? Never mind
1: season <laughs> yeah. one when I committed mutiny. <laughs>
3: yeah, look at the mirror, dude. <laughs> right. I was acquitted. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>, right. <laughs> another one on, this is another famous one, on the 18th of November, 1946 was the birthday of one Alan Dean Foster. Oh, mm. wow.
0: I recognize yeah. the name even. Yeah. I he's... don't remember why, but.
1: Wrote a lot of Star Trek, the animated series novelizations. Mm-hmm. Wrote the Star Trek logbooks, which Absolutely. were actually the my first introduction to the animated series stories. Because I, my uncle had copies of several of the logbooks. The one I specifically remember is the first one with the yesteryear mm-hmm. cover, which is, I thought mm-hmm. it was just a Star Trek book. And I'd read <laughs> it. And, you know, it had great Star Trek stories. That one had, you know, yesteryear in it. It had... um. Beyond the Farthest Star, which are two great stories. Yeah, and then I remember I, saw, I wasn't years, but probably at some point later when I saw the cartoon, and I was like, "Hey, this was from that book." <laughs> yes,
3: <laughs> I actually read the book. My brother, my older brother, had some of the novels. There's actually a restaurant I go to in downtown Decatur that actually has one of the books that has on the cover uh, from yesteryear, mm. which is so funny. And, and the, yeah. I remember reading reading his books too. I've read a lot of the books he's done. And he also, some may not know, he has a Star Wars connection because he actually um, helped George Lucas Ghost write the first Star Wars book. Mm. And he was behind uh, Splinter of the Mind's Eye as well. And he did some work on um, some work with uh, Star Trek Generations as well. So just an absolutely famous name in in the Star Trek world.
1: He also wrote several of the Star Trek Peter Pan Power records in the 70s. Oh, really? a, basically the power records yes. break down into the terrible ones and the ones Alan uh-huh. Dean Foster wrote. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. So if you, if you haven't heard any of those power records, ra- if, if you don't know, the, the power records were a little, uh, basically like a 45 inch record and mm-hmm. or a 45 RPM record. And um, it came with a comic. And so you'd have a comic and you play the record and it tells a little story and you have different actors playing the characters of Kirk and Spock and so forth. Uh, and you can read along in the comic, and there was little cute ones like "To Starve a Flavor" and um, the Robot Masters. Uh, there were several of them, and Alan Dean Foster wrote. I mean, I know he wrote "Invino Veritas," which is a really good one about a. Mm-hmm. His were actually more Star Trek, so he's familiar with Star Trek. So, you know, like it was like a peace conference between the Klingons and the Romulans, and this little Emster character drugged their wine so they would all tell the truth. And it's just a cute little story. So, anyone out there who's never explored the star trek peter pan power records i recommend them i think they're a lot of fun
3: who doesn't know what a 45 rpm <laughs> right right Forty-five record is yeah <laughs> that's so funny okay moving on on the 19th of november we got a couple here on um, november 19th 1953 is the birth date of one robert beltran hey oh. uh, aka nice. yeah AKA, aka chakotay from voyager <laughs> <laughs> i always love that that pronunciation yeah yeah <laughs> You heard that a couple of times. His grandfather in the epi- in one of the episodes where he did a flashback when he was growing up amongst his tribe, his grandfather called him Chakotay.
4: Mm.
3: And then in the Voyager episode, and gosh, I, uh, is it living? I don't want to do any spoilers. So there's a Voyager episode called Living Witness mm. where the, the doctor, I won't give any spoilers away, it's the one where the doctor encounters a society that, for let's just say reasons, believes that Voyager was a ship of evil and destruction. Mm-hmm. And there's a simulation that shows Voyager is like a, almost like a mirror universe ship. And they call mm-hmm. him Chakotay on, mm-hmm. on the that too. But uh, Robert Beltran is a really interesting guy because I always say he's actually one of my favorite characters on Voyager, even though he was very underused. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a danger to him that I never thought got shown. There's a, there's a menace almost to him. He's a, there's one episode where one of the Maquis is giving, two, uh, giving Tuvok grief. And Chicoke walks into the mess hall and literally just knocks him out of his chair. He's like, what? okay, you want to go back to the old ways?
4: And there's sometimes, <laughs> yeah.
3: especially in the early days when he would like have problems with Bolana, he would go from being like her friend, he would just snap her down. And you mm. see that other, you see that person who was in the Maquis. Right. But of course, as we all know Beltran, in my opinion, he just, he didn't like the show. I understand that Berman and Braga literally didn't like him because they felt he didn't take it seriously. Right. And it ended pretty badly. It's nice to know that he's kind of coming back to Star Trek. Probably. Yeah, yeah. I'd be interested to see what they do with him on Prodigy.
1: And like you say, Chakotay, when they used him, was a great character. And I didn't yes. I, I, I didn't really have that much of an appreciation for Chakotay, I guess, until recently rewatching the show. Mm-hmm. That when he's good, he's great. And I wish that they would have given him more to do. And I wish that they would have got a, a real, um, I guess this wasn't their fault, but a, a real you know, Native American advisor who could have given them real information. So he wasn't always just on vision quests and things. Um, absolutely and and things like you know they he had that little like uh sort of flirtation with Janeway early on that they right. they I guess got bored of because that just disappeared um there's a lot of potential to that character that I think that I mean I understand why he got frustrated because his it, like they, they 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 moved on to different things as the show went on and Chakotay just was window dressing after a while it seemed like
3: absolutely uh, two more real quickly on the 19th of november uh, 1957 was the birth of joel goldsmith who okay. was the son of jerry goldsmith yep. the famous jerry goldsmith jerry goldsmith of course responsible for a lot of star trek themes uh joel goldsmith didn't have as much interaction in the star trek world although he did redo a theme for voyager and he also worked on some of the soundtrack for first contact what Joel Goldsmith is most famous for is the theme songs for all the Stargate mm-hmm. television series franchises. Oh. Yep. Yeah.
1: I was waiting this. to see if Veronica would perk up at anything. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I've been rewatching Stargate.
3: Yep. Yeah, there you go. I
0: got to the RI.
3: Ah, are you? I just finished rewatching the entire series when it was still on Netflix, which I think it is not on anymore.
0: No, <laughs> so- it's through the end of the month.
3: Okay. Okay. So I am frantically
0: trying to watch it. I mean, we have it all, but you know,
3: I cram it in, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Two more. Uh, Oh shoot! And I hate to say this, I didn't put the year down, but um, November nineteenth is the birthday of one Terry Farrell. Hey. Hey. Yeah, I like Terry Farrell yeah yeah Mm -hmm. she's another one i think one good thing about star trek i like is there's a lot of people for a lot of reasons who had issues with star trek will wheaton you know left you know issues gates mcfadden issues robert belchin we just talked about issues terry farrell issues Mm -hmm. and it's nice to see over the years that they've they've come back sometimes frankly it might have been the people on the sets they were working with at the time Mm -hmm. I know Gates McFadden seemed to have a problem with the guy who was running the show in the second season, first and second season, Maurice Hurley. Right. And, you know, that Will Wheaton, of course, was ticked off because he felt like he wanted to go pursue a movie career and they wouldn't let him out of his contract at one point. And so he was Mm -hmm. kind of soured on it. And I'm still not exactly sure what happened with Terry Farrell. Uh, I mean, I hear so many different stories.
1: Yeah. A lot of it was from Rick Berman. Um, yeah, not just Terry Farrell, but from a lot of people had difficulties with Rick Furman over the years. But yeah, um, I'm glad that she seems to have made her peace with Star Trek and with Star Trek fans, and she's very active. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, they'll figure out a way to get Jadzia back on the show in some way. I mean, there's all kind of weird, drill things they can bring Jadzia back.
3: Yeah, well, the mirror, the mirror, Jadzia is still alive. True, Isn't but she? I want
1: real Jadzia. Yeah,
3: me too. I agree. <laughs> I-, I completely agree with that. Yeah. And the last birthday is the 20th of November. 1931, and I realize I may mispronounce the last name William Ware Thies or Tice. Tice. Tice.
1: Yep. Bill Tice. You you recognize that
3: one, Veronica?
0: No.
1: He designed all the great costumes from the original Star Trek and all the terrible costumes from the early next gen.
0: Oh, that's right! I remember hearing about him when we were watching. That's the guy. Yeah, He's the, the one
1: I was complaining about that they didn't mention. Yeah, in, uh, <laughs> in the center seat. Yeah, when that's they said right. That Gene Roddenberry designed the uniforms, and I'm like, hey, ah, <laughs> no, not yeah, even. God, Gene Roddenberry designed the ship and the uniforms from his experience in the Navy. That was almost, <laughs> that's almost verbatim from yes. the center seat. <laughs> yes,
4: yes.
3: Well, he was responsible. Tease, um, tease. I think it's Tice. I believe it's Tice. Tice. Okay. Tice was responsible for the uniforms, the Starfleet uniforms, like you said, uh, Charles. No matter what they, what uh, Rottenberry's um, Mm -hmm. press would say, and he was most, despite the fact that he did the uniforms, what he simply purely simply became most famous for was the was the costuming for the women
4: mm-hmm.
3: um everybody from andrea the android and what a little girl's made of which is one of the most daring and revealing ones Elan of mm-hmm. troyes which is cut from the same kind of cloth and mm-hmm. um uh lieutenant palomas and who mourns for adonai the one with the god apollo when he dresses mm-hmm. her which was, was um t said was his most which was his favorite he was just um he was he was really kind of ahead of his time because if you think about it for a science fiction show to take that kind of care in designing costumes that were oh, yeah. sometimes seen only once, that's a big deal. Oh, yeah. Absolutely.
1: And they were pretty intricately designed too, because you had to be very specific about what skin you could show on yes. television, you know? Yeah. And so it's very strategic in where the fabric went, how much is shown, how much is not shown. There were dresses that were like a dress that would go over the shoulder and it's held up. By the weight of the back of the dress, you, know, yes. you have just enough fabric there to hold the dress in place. And, um, and I'm sure there was a lot of things like tape and glue going on as well back then. But um, right. yeah, I mean, he was a fantastic designer and brought a lot to Star Trek. I mean, you imagine you know, just a lot of these Star Trek episodes, what they would have been if they had Lost in Space
3: costumes on. You know, Oh, my gosh. Aluminum foil suits everywhere yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, that would have had a tremendous impact on the show. Yeah. And the last thing I found in researching this, and I checked it in three different sites to confirm this, is although he designed the female minis, the, the, the the costumes for the female
4: mm-hmm.
3: officers, which was called sexes at the time, the skirts and stuff, that was not his original idea. It was actually, and it was not Gene Roddenberry's idea. It was actually Grace Lee Whitney's idea. Mm-hmm. It was Yeoman Rand's idea to have women in skirts. Yep. And if you watch the original episodes, we were just talking about the cage, you will see that in the, in the original pilot, the women wore pants. Yeah. And what happened was Grace Lee, Grace Lee Whitney, uh, Yeoman Rand, when she did a first um, filming and she was wearing pants, she complained to him and to Roddenberry and she said, I have a dancer's legs. I don't want to hide my legs. And she didn't feel the pants were uncomfortable. And she thought that a skirt was more appropriate for a woman because she didn't want to look like a man. Mm. And so she was actually the genesis for the fact that women were wearing skirts, which is completely unrealistic in a military environment, mm-hmm. in a spaceship. But there it is. I didn't, yep. that's something I didn't know.
1: When this is just a few years after Mary Tyler Moore wearing trousers was scandalous yeah. you know they would that was a yes. big deal at the time and i know several of the ladies on star trek would sneak and hem their skirt shorter when no one was looking i know that michelle nichols did that they would sneak and shorten their own skirts <laughs> when no one was looking but and i don't want to get into this debate because um i'm i shouldn't be involved in it but i know that several of the ladies from star trek have said that at the time it wasn't sexist it was liberation yeah because you know uh-huh. they hadn't been allowed to dress that way you know right but like I said, I'm I'm a dude. I don't need to be involved in what's sexist and what's not. I'm just I'm just yeah. repeating. I, talk to Michelle Nichols,
3: and that takes us back to the to the pilot of the Next Generation, where you had that dude, and it would look like a skirt, and it was the whole thing. Rottenberry kind of tweaking the audience, like, mm-hmm. okay, you're gonna complain about women in skirts, I'm gonna put a dude in a skirt, and yeah, mm-hmm. that's legendary. Yep, yeah. um, that's this week in Trek
1: all right well thank you for that keith and we'll take a quick break to promote a fellow eso network podcast show and then when we get back we'll we've got two star trek episodes in the same week from different series to discuss for the first time since i was in high school so i'm excited so stay right there Time to grab your pillow and join the Geek Father in little bit for discussions on current nostalgic and speculative happenings in pop culture, nerd news, fandom histories, deep dive discussions, reviews, and more. It's like listening to your closest friends have a nerdy conversation. So sit back, relax, and let the Blurred Nerds podcast embrace you with their warm, goofy goodness. It's nerd goals for your ear holes right here. On the ESO network.
0: Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! This is not a drill.
1: All right, so this week we had the fifth episode of Star Trek Prodigy, Terror Firma.
2: Yeah, baby.
1: And the biggest thing on my mind is, where the freaking Hirogen?
2: Exactly. Well, they are. I said the, that last week. Yeah, exactly. They're in the <laughs> Hirogen system, but, you know. they. They're, but the why? Hirogen,
1: if there's no Herogens uh, showing up on the show, why are we in the Hirogen system?
2: I don't know. Where? Just because it's a word that sounds cool to new people, and it's a word that is like familiar to the old guys like us uh,
1: it's like if you would go to, go to go to Kronos and there's no klingons in two episodes
2: <laughs> <laughs> like what, what, are, what are we doing here but that's okay that's different that's okay. a planet now we're in a whole system that's true
3: that's and, true and of course by system do they mean solar system or do they mean a whole section of the, of the galaxy more than one solar system
2: they mean whatever territory the hirogen control which was but, quite whatever a lot that is. yeah the yeah. hirogen
1: may not even live there they may just be traveling around hunting that's but, true. Um, yeah,
2: And they may so not they hunt to that to planet
0: at all whatsoever. I'm sure they don't. For a good reason.
2: Right.
1: Even so, I was hoping for Hirogen.
3: The oh, I
2: agree. <laughs> I totally agree with you. It would have okay, been cool if we got him. You know, yeah. y'all now
3: just wrote a whole new crazy show where you have fleets of Hirogen chasing that planet to hunt it. <laughs>
2: <Ooh>. <laughs> okay. I mean, it I believe that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm okay with that.
1: Yeah. It could be that Hirogen came from Planet Larry and they got tired of it trying to murder <laughs> them and, and moved on. <laughs> Yeah,
2: right there you go.
1: Uh, but what do we think? Uh, any anyone have a strong opinion on this one?
3: I thought it was fine. The ending actually was a little abrupt to me. I mean, mm-hmm. I know well. I don't know if that was the intended "quote unquote" cliffhanger, but um it just felt mm-hmm. a little abrupt the way it ended. I I was actually thought because I, I I try to do things such as not even look at the clock or the. Mm-hmm. The um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't pause my thing to see how many minutes are left. So when it, when it, I was looking down taking notes, and when it ended, I looked up. Said, like, "Oh, that's it." <laughs>
2: <laughs> right. Now, <laughs> I, I, I kind of agree with you on that point. Yeah, it did seem like it was like boom over.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's nice right. to see the crew coming together, though.
2: It it really is, and it took, um, it took Gwen being betrayed by her father. To make it happen. Well, I mean, that wasn't the only thing, but that was certainly the the sort of like the linchpin in her finally learning to trust these new people. And
0: and I gotta say, the the way they set that up of him walking up to the ship, and it looked like he was walking up to the ship and was going to take over the ship, totally had me fooled. Even though Gwen was there, and you're like, I, I even thought. I didn't think she was that close to the ship when she was crawling. How did she get that close to the ship?
4: (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: And I was like, I should have realized that that wasn't actually it. I don't know why. It's a movie trick,
2: and it fooled me too. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. I I really (laughs) thought it was me
0: too.
2: We're all just a bunch of dummies. (laughs) Okay,
0: okay. I I thought it was just me.
2: Yeah, (laughs) no, it wasn't just you. I was fooled as well because you're like Janeway's just like opening the door to this guy,
1: and I was wondering if she's going to say, "Welcome, cadet. Here's the torpedo bay."
2: <laughs> right, exactly. Because clearly she can't tell the difference between an actual cadet and just anybody who randomly right. walks on the ship.
1: Absolutely. It was nice when she thought to herself, well, what would real Janeway do?
2: Yeah. Like, so she's
1: aware that she's not real Janeway and that there is such a person.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Self awareness. Yeah. That's one also- of Maddox's tests for sentience.
3: Yeah. And they also answered one of the questions we had about because one of the things we all talked about over the shows has been how much sentience does this Jane we have? Is she mm-hmm. even truly sentient like the doctor became on Voyager? And one of the things I also thought was when she was talking about what she could do and she, uh, she was basically talking to herself and she did say that she only had access to non-essential systems on the ship. Mm-hmm. So she couldn't independently do things like fire weapons and stuff, I mm-hmm. guess, unless command. So I thought that was cool. Cause remember she basically scrubbed down the ship when, when the planet's vines were trying to um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. take over the ship. And that was answered a pretty one of the brilliant. questions we'd have.
0: That was a pretty brilliant maneuver. Like, yeah, I'm being attacked. What can I do? I can clean the ship.
3: <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> that won't work for most attacks, but this specific no. attack, it works yes. exactly. really well.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's um, true. So while they're out on the planet and they're trying to get back to the ship, and the location of the hills over which uh, the ship is keeps moving, why did they not? like, contact Janeway again? Mm -hmm. Why didn't they say, you know, Janeway, come in. What the hell is going on?
0: Also, why didn't they look at the little thing on their pad and just realize that this is the way we're supposed to be going?
2: Well, they did, but it kept changing.
0: But I thought just the scenery kept changing and they were following. They kept walking towards the hill, supposedly. was the hill was moving. Right. The hill was moving, but the location of the ship wasn't, and they had a little pad to follow so why weren't they following the little pad to where the ship actually was and oh no the hill suddenly behind me oh wait this is a sentient planet and it's trying to confuse me but the pad right here in my hand says that it's over here so i'm gonna go over here
2: the the hills have eyes
0: yeah
3: (laughs) i I think the last two episodes they've done some things where i kind of said why are they doing that why are they being so stupid and i think I I think the explanation that they want us to go with is they're all young and have like zero space experience. And, but that's the only thing, because it's almost as if they're they're not just young, they're they're, they're kids, teens, preteens, whatever, and they have no experience. Because I had to rewind it to realize that Dahl did not really understand how to navigate with the stars, which kind of Mm -hmm. caught me off guard for a second. But it was kind of, it was truly a surprise when he was like, oh, they don't move. We can use the stars for fix. So I guess yeah, the umbrella but, for that. But that's
2: you're not used to thinking in those terms, you know? Yeah, he's not someone yeah. who's ever had to rely on that or to even consider that as a possibility. So right. it was kind of a cool moment that he realized that that was a you know a moment of realization for him. Mm-hmm. So yeah. he's learning to think outside of his own experience.
3: Exactly. And I guess that's what we're supposed to believe when they make some some decisions or don't make decisions that to us makes sense. Is because they are, they haven't been in any situations before,
0: and I guess And haven't technology... watched any Star Trek either.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <True>. <laughs> right, right. But yeah. but you, you make a good point. Um, but if you are a group of kids, mm-hmm. I mean, and and we have to remember this is a group of kids, and yeah. you're out in the middle of nowhere in an unfamiliar place, and you're trying to get back to the thing that can rescue you and that you consider to be safe, and Everything around you keeps shifting and it's disorienting you. Why would you not call the quote unquote adult, the, the parent figure? <laughs> you know, you're going to be scared. You're going to not be able to figure out what's going on. Why would you not? I mean, that would be your first instinct to me, yeah. it seems like. Yeah.
1: And at this point, too, if it turns out the Protostar has transporters, everyone, including the audience, is be like, are you freaking kidding me? The transporters we, exactly
2: and why would it not
3: yeah it would have to i would think it's so if it can replicate an entire shuttlecraft i think it ought to have some functional transporters yeah right like you
2: could have beat Somewhere us up that there. whole time we're on exactly. murder planet <laughs> exactly murder <laughs> planet i do love that
3: <laughs> i will say and i said this i think last week and i do not mean this offensively I will say little things I've seen in a show like that definitely remind me that it was written for a younger audience Mm -hmm. than I think any Trek I've seen before. So I think sometimes, and I didn't write it down, but there was a couple of scientific things I thought, that's not right. But I think because it's a show for kids, written for young people, I sometimes wonder if some of the logic we're used to in Star Trek or something, they just think, oh, well, we'll just gloss
2: over that. But that that should absolutely not be the case. I agree. I, I can't imagine that they're just saying, oh, it doesn't matter. I mean, no. but I also can't imagine that they just get stuff wrong because they don't know. I don't know. But uh, it seems <laughs> like it seems like this should be the the the, the, the teachable method. Yeah. You, know, you should that. be able to teach, you know, a scientific truth or, you know, a, a, a pattern of reasoning. Right. You know, demonstrate it to your. And I guess they kind of did that in this one where, you know, Dahl and Gwen have that realization. Holy cow. We can navigate our way by the stars. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was a good moment.
1: I I had that reaction though, when they're talking about the protostar engine. Yeah. And I haven't had time to look this up or anything, but I thought protostars were freaking huge, like giant dust clouds that haven't collapsed into a star yet. And I didn't, and I don't think they give up that off that much energy. Keith, you're the science guy. How much energy can you get off a protostar? Can you fit it in well, you, a box?
3: <laughs> you get a, well, here's the thing, and that's the weird thing to you say. You get a ton of it, but right, but a protostar is huge because it's literally a star that's being formed. Yeah, you don't usually shrink them down into a box. Now it would give off a lot of energy, but not not in that size. So that's what I, I thought the same thing. Like, well, that doesn't make sense. Usually you have to do something like what the Romans deal with the black hole. Yeah, you know, like they the have, have which, Yeah, right. So you can have a mini black hole. So yeah, I thought the
2: same thing about the protostar as well. Well, okay. I didn't. So I'm glad you guys <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you guys brought that up. Well, it, it sticks yeah.
1: out more, I think, because it's like a central thing in the show. Like the ship's named after right. it, and that's like the big right, the big yeah. technological thing, which I was a little disappointed that the special engine is just faster warp, like more warp power. Yeah. Maybe more than that. Maybe.
2: We just don't know yet because yeah. We just saw it take off. And yeah. so is this going to be the end of, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it isn't, but, you know, how can this not be the end of the storyline with Gwen's father and Dreadnought? If they are suddenly so far away that they don't register on, you know, Gwen's father's massive ships, you know, they're they're nowhere in the area. How are they going to find them? How are they even going to catch up with them? I don't know. I
1: guess the kid's magic. Unless the Some kid's just <laughs> proto warp right back.
3: <laughs>
2: well, I mean, <laughs> that is possible.
3: <laughs> or he put a I, Well, he doesn't have a tracker in her. Does he? Cause she called him, right? That's how he found. She the called first time. him. Yeah. She, yeah. So I, that's a good point. I guess they're going to have to get waylaid or have another accident or something. So he can try to catch up to him. One reason he's got to catch or, up. Or Jacob you know, Pog's
2: going to realize he left his wallet behind and they have to go back <laughs> and get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
3: And one thing they got to catch up is I'm still trying to figure out with that massive warp capable fortress that he has, what does the protostar have that is specifically so important to him? Even, even faster warp doesn't seem like enough to me because he called yeah. it salvation, whatever that means.
2: Right. Right. Yeah, so yeah. it's, it's something, it's not on, it's not the necessarily the what, but it's right. the why, like, exactly. why is this? What is his purpose that he needs? Whatever this thing is. hmm yeah. So and there's also, still a lot more to learn. Yeah,
3: And also building the mystery was Janeway did not know what the Protostar drive was. Because mm. remember when she said there was a power drain and she mm. had to find it and then yeah. she saw it said Protostar containment or whatever. And then she yeah. says, why didn't I know that?
2: Right. Why do I have no
3: record of that? So right. that, that's interesting because she was built to train cadets aboard that ship, but she doesn't know the fullness of how that ship works.
2: Sure. But to be fair cadets would also not have access to that system and therefore would not need to be trained on that system. Ah, Mm. So maybe that would only be like a senior officer kind of thing.
3: Yeah. But you know, I was thinking she would know that, but she'd be able to say something like, uh, I was thinking about the original series with um, mud. I mud where they say I'm not programmed to respond in that area. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So I would think she'd know it, but not tell them. It looks like her, her memory is either white or to, or to your point, for some reason they didn't even want her to know that. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is which you know again there's so many things i think we were talking was it last week or week before? Well, i wasn't here week before. must have been last week we were saying that obviously what, what was it you was, or cabera saying maybe Barclay fired this thing up in the alpha quadrant <laughs> maybe it was a test and it went bad and worked directly into the delta quadrant and maybe that's what deals the j wing yeah,
4: yeah
3: there's there's still a reason a question of how that ship got there without mm-hmm. a crew
1: in pristine right. condition too i mean with her not having access it seems like the ship is specifically geared around this engine to the point that it's named after it that Mm -hmm, you, if you didn't like no one who doesn't have access should be on the ship at all. Like, why you wouldn't assign fresh cadets who don't have access to the engine to the ship. Send them somewhere else.
2: Exactly. It seems like naming the ship after it is advertising it way too much. (laughs) I mean, the the discovery isn't named USS four drive.
1: (laughs) Right. Right. It's like, um, you know, secret un- unit headquarters base. You know, <laughs> exactly. on the sign out front. Right. The
3: well, battleship. The unit. Battleship like device.
1: That.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. So there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of mystery there that we don't understand. yet. I was a little. For me, I thought that it I felt like something jumped because one minute Dahl was leaving Gwen behind, and the next minute yeah. they were sharing a tender moment on the ship. And I, for me, it seemed like that moment was a little strange I I mean it, it just seemed a little weird to me they seemed awfully friendly awfully fast i know they've been friendly before mm-hmm. that just seemed yeah. a little weird to me
2: yeah yeah but maybe it's just that shared sense of loss you know yeah. they have that sh- that shared sense of you know parents that we don't have a connection to i don't know i didn't i didn't have any trouble with that moment at all
1: Yeah, I, I am really enjoying the characters
2: yeah, yeah, um, yeah, totally.
1: I, and I like their interactions. I think they're a, a good group of characters. Um, mm-hmm.
2: Well, I'm. I'm.
1: Whenever when, when is it coming back that we can that we can see them? Is it January? Yeah, January.
3: I think it was okay. January, right? That's what we said. Uh huh. You yeah. know yeah, what they said? I thought last. I think week, it's
2: right? it's like um, episode. Well, it's six episodes from the end of Discovery because mm-hmm. I think that the next five episodes end one week before the Discovery finale. Okay. If I mapped it out correctly.
1: Yeah. And yeah. if I
2: remember correctly, like what chart. it was I mapped out. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> well, maybe, maybe they specifically mentioned the Herogen system before they activated the spore drive so that they'll drop off of when they, when they show up at like, hey, we're at the Andor system now or whatever. And we'll be like, wow, they went from there to there, you know, just yeah. like right. somewhere that we can now sort of recognize where they're mm-hmm. at, which
2: that's that's very possible. Um, yeah.
1: We'll see i guess
2: i think for me I, I i think for me i just have
3: nothing but questions so far because one thing we talked about last week i was asking was the teller Jenko. Jenko jenco um, pog Jacob pog he talked about being on a sleeper ship
2: yeah i mentioned that but, again
3: yeah but as one of the founding races of the federation he doesn't know what the federation is so i wonder what that's all about is even if he didn't if he wasn't say born in the alpha quadrant i was curious as to how he knows about his people but he doesn't know about the federation so that's another mystery that i thought was Ooh, interesting
1: could, could just be the sleeper ship left um before the federation
2: and we don't know oh. we don't know exactly how much he knows about his people yeah he yeah, may simply know the name tellarite yeah
3: and the food no, that's true cuz nobody knows anything uh, rock talk even bless her heart she even thinks that she's ugly Mm -hmm. and uh oh i I know
2: that made me so sad me
3: too that that she i I was uh charles veronica last week i was saying i hate being manipulated emotionally but doggone it if she's not working (laughs) oh yeah
2: totally yeah
3: (laughs) she's so cute and she's so sweet and nice and stuff like that And my heart just breaks for me the poor child didn't even know what to eat but prison rations because that's all she's ever had
2: yeah (laughs) but i think it's i think it's so cute that she i mean it's something that a lot of viewers Mm -hmm. you know as as kids can identify with and can relate to that whole like i just want to be accepted you know for who Mm -hmm. i am i don't want to be the one that people look at and you know have a reaction against Mm -hmm. and i think that's really nice i think that's good that they're including that
1: yeah Yeah. and and it's a common feeling that i don't feel the way that people see me
3: yeah exactly yeah a doll who doesn't even know what his parents look like, let alone mm-hmm. what race he is, and is pretending not to care because. Mm-hmm. And I just thought uh, we talked about this last week, but what really just got me was when the planet recreated an illusion of his parents. It was the backs of the on the back because he has no clue what his parents look mm-hmm. like. And that was that was poignant. Guess you thought maybe he'd have a memory of something. Nothing.
2: nothing so. There. Apparently, this episode didn't make a whole lot of impression on Keith because he keeps re- going <laughs> over again. What we talked about last week
0: <laughs> <laughs> trying to
2: tie it together. Yeah, I see it, I was, was, uh... it was
0: almost one big episode.
2: Well, it was. Yeah, that's, that's, true, that's true. That's true.
1: It, it was a nice touch this week that he said that um, he would make up a planet. A lot of the times so people ask what species he is, he would make something mm-hmm. up because yeah. would treat him different if they think he doesn't know his own species.
2: Yeah. I that was that's interesting. interesting so two like socially awkward kind of outcasts yeah they're 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 totally going to bond over this whole thing and we saw a little bit of that this week yeah it was a, it was a good episode i enjoyed it and it's it definitely leaves you in an interesting spot yeah you I know i mean where they go next right and it, and if you you it almost makes me think that they had in mind this you know two month or whatever it is break because this ends in a place where it's like That makes you want to, Mm -hmm. you know, come to see what happens next. It makes you want to come back when the next episode airs um, to Mm -hmm. see what happens, to see where they end up. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it it almost feels constructed rather than a last minute. Hey, we're going to hold the last five episodes until next year.
1: Yeah. Or the next five anyway, because there's supposed to be 10 more after that
2: well that's what i meant sorry the next five so i wonder if there are 10 more later in the year
1: right so i wonder if we're going to be getting prodigy in like five episode chunks over the course of the year maybe could be
2: that's very possible yeah it would be an interesting way to sort of like um bridge gaps between bigger series
1: yeah yeah It, it it seems like this show would take longer to make than lower decks as far as animated shows go. Right.
2: Because
4: yeah. the
1: because right. the animation is, I mean, just the CGI rendering oh, time yeah. alone you'd think would take forever because it's so lush.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: But yeah, it's interesting. And I'm interested to see where they go. I have questions I've and little nitpicks. I mean, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago um, when we were on the podcast last, or when I was, that um, <laughs> I don't like the doors in Prodigy, which is like a random thing. But this week it was, I don't like the warp. I don't like the way they go to warp. It looks like they're flying through the time circuits from Bill and Ted. Like, why is it a tube? around them. yeah, it's Very strange. <laughs> hey, I like the Eat. show enough to have nerdy nitpicks. So that's good.
3: I uh Charles, you mentioned a warp. I thought it reminded me of the warp effect from Star Trek the motion picture at the start. Remember when it yeah
1: they were first going so. to warp. That's,
3: that's
1: but I agree point. with you. It
3: looked but it looked different. But you know what? Yeah. I think almost every incarnation of Star Trek has changed the phaser look and mm-hmm. sound, the transporter mm-hmm. sound and the warp effect. Yeah. And it's been all over the map. Yeah,
1: I, I don't need it to be identical. I like right. yeah. warp effects, but this one, it would look like a, like a physical tube they were flying through, which I didn't really care <laughs> for. So.
3: Yeah, which I can see the tube as if that was like they were entering warp and then yeah. you you get this the traditional thing where all the star fields and stuff fly by. Yeah. I did notice that as well.
2: Maybe that's something that's actually intended and we're going to find out you know Maybe. something about it later on. Like it, like it f- tunnels through dimension or something you know so there's an explanation for why it actually looks that way maybe
3: well we did maybe (laughs) yeah we did point out that in the opener when they showed a protostar Mm -hmm. it looks like it's popping out of a bubble or something weird in space and we don't know if that's just an effect for the opening or if that's truly how it to your point how that works when they really hit it you know between
1: the show and the opening now they have like four different warp effects so i guess we'll see
3: Yeah, I was wondering if it was almost folding space like what the Cypherians did in uh, Next Generation. Mm -hmm. Uh, Something like that.
1: All right. Well, did we have any any closing thoughts on the latest Prodigy episode
2: before we move on? I don't think so. Yeah, it was fun. I I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, me too. All right,
1: so we'll take a quick break to promote a fellow ESO Network podcast show, and then when we come back we'll be talking about the season premiere of Star Trek Discovery, so stay right there.
3: If you were a monster kid growing up, if you enjoyed Saturday mornings watching monster movie matinee, or staying up all night watching the midnight feature, then Monster Attack is the podcast for you. We not only look at classic old monster movies, we share our experience growing up as a monster kid. Join us every Monday for Monster Attack.
0: Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Alert. This is not a drill.
3: That was like black alert. I like that.
1: And specifically for the fourth season premiere of Star Trek Discovery. Yes. Kobayashi Maru. Yes. But I really enjoyed the season premiere.
3: Yes.
0: I like the uniforms
2: yeah. Which ones? Because there were a lot. Of oh, them. my oh, God. Were there ever? I got lost.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I did. I, 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 I do prefer Burnham's purplish uniforms. I think that looks so much better than the red. I wish that was the command color because she looks great in the purplish and it looks sort of, I don't know. And I her, don't care. I don't think the her, red still looks weird to me.
2: It's dress does. uniform. Yes.
1: Yeah. The yeah, dress yeah, yeah, uniform that was and sharp. Her,
3: her leather outfit also. And the leather
2: one, both yeah. of those, man, were sharp. Yeah. The leather
3: was the coolest thing I've seen since the so-called Picardigan that Picard used to wear <laughs> in the
2: Where <later> <laughs> <laughs> you
3: know, he'd go off like on, he wore in Darmok. I mean, that little cool jacket he has. I, l- I love that
2: jacket. Isn't that yes. awesome? Yeah.
3: yeah. But I still couldn't, I couldn't get with what, what Burnham's red. Also, the color change kept throwing me from the, the her dress uniform to her command uniform, the color change threw me. And I'm not loving the uniforms that the rest of the crew have. They kind of seem almost baggy or ill-fitting or something like that.
2: They do seem baggy. I agree. Yeah. 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 But I like them. I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of color. And Mm -hmm. it's nice to have some bright colors on this very, very muted show. Yeah,
1: that's true.
0: I, I am a little confused about why at the end of last season, they completely changed uniforms to this season.
1: Uh, because Probably those gray uniforms on. like disappeared into the ship. Right. Yeah. They, they, was- but no,
0: at the e- at the very end, like when they were actually like apart and they had. Yeah, like- they
1: put on the, the 32nd century uniforms, but they were all gray. No. Colorful stripe. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So what happened to the gray uniforms?
1: They, they went with a colorful uniform instead because they didn't think the gray uniforms looked good with the Discovery sets. Yes. Because the the sets are all sort of bronzish.
2: And you well, wouldn't think that they would have figured that out before they actually filmed them. The last or, episode. Or had an hey, entire, wait a minute. Right, exactly. <laughs> so they have new uniforms for literally like 90 seconds. Yeah. yeah. And then this well, season, a whole bunch of different ones.
3: I don't mind the gray ones disappearing. They look like some kind of uh, dystopian uh, fascist regime to me. So I wasn't into them.
2: <laughs> I, the I really liked them, but I... I I, I do agree that they just don't look good on these sets, and yeah. you need that pop of color that we have now, which I love. Especially
1: sitting in the captain's chair, they just look bulky on on everybody, not just Burnham but Reese too. Like I was
2: gonna say, speaking of sitting in the captain's chair, buddy, Reese, yeah, gets to have some stuff to do this week. Yeah, man, I, think, I was excited about that.
1: Yeah, I think Bryce only had one scene, but I think he had more lines than he's ever had on the show. <laughs>
2: I know I, it was really cool. The, a whole scene of Bryce and the new guy.
1: Yeah,
2: the, I loved it. It wasn't very long, but it was no. a nice scene, and it was really good that the the bridge crew got featured a you know, pretty good bit. Not yeah. in any like you know starring roles, but a in a good bit of the scenes in this whole episode. So I loved it.
1: Yeah, yeah. It seemed like everybody got their page. In yeah, the yeah. This episode, that yeah. which was good. Um. Yeah. It seems like Bryce is off. It's This morning, I thought he said on the Kirk, but I think he said the Curry. We watched it again this afternoon, and I think he said the Curry is the ship he is on, Um, Mm. which I I guess he's, I mean, I would guess not available, or they've got some big plans for Bryce because it seems a—it It's weird to to write him off the show, at least temporarily.
2: Well, I thought he said that he was only there for two more days, like he's consulting or something. Well, that could be. And and I don't know. I I only got a chance to watch it once, and I didn't get to go back and spot things that I wanted to hear again. Yeah. But, but yeah,
1: nice that he has a storyline at all. So that's, that's <laughs> yeah. Great.
4: Yeah, that
2: yeah. You
3: know, we have commented before that 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 those actors have an incredible chemistry. Mm-hmm. And I would like to see them get much more work mm-hmm. to do individually. I like I really like to see some more of them. Oh yeah. Especially I, say a that every time I think we do she's this. great. Yeah. Me too. Me too. What did y'all think about the opening, the, on the planet with the Al Al Shane?
0: It reminded Gosh. me of the opening of all of the 2009 Star Trek.
3: It wasn't just me. I thought yeah. I had the same like, vibe.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like Enter Darkness
1: and Beyond combined.
0: Yes. yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: I, I didn't think about that, but you're right.
0: Yeah. It was fun, though. Yeah, it was yeah, a lot it of fun. Was.
1: I was, it was I was happy. Really, They're Go ahead. No, you go. We're going at the same time every time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was just happy it was a strange new planet, not some legacy race that we already knew that it was something weird. I want more strange new
2: planets. Exactly. Um, I really enjoyed the, that whole scene of every turn in diplomacy went wacko. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I I really enjoyed that. Even down to, you know, why are you keeping a cat as a pet? She's a queen. You have a queen imprisoned. Mm -hmm. Like everything (laughs) they said got taken the wrong way. And I really enjoyed that a lot. Yes. That was a to me that
3: was almost the lower decks type of a yes. scene yeah. with the yeah. way they were going and yeah I, I thought that was interesting too I kind of I like the effects of the butterfly things when mm-hmm. they started trying to fly I thought that was real wild to you to to what you were saying um, I I love seeing just a completely alien race and yeah I love their attitude which is oh yeah y'all Federation. And I love the way they were acting. Oh, yeah, you're going to give us this and then you're going to want something from us and we don't trust you. And they went from Miley's suspicious to murderous in like two, yeah. two minutes.
0: Yeah, they did.
1: Yeah, I, I really like their snarky leader who who's like, oh, <laughs> right, yes, yes, for the low, low price of free. <laughs>
3: <laughs> he was great. Yeah. yeah, that was pretty good. And I think realistic in a lot of ways, like you were saying, Alan, because it has been, what's a century or more since the Warp Drive's? Stop working yeah. and evidently they have a lot like he said they had a lot of issues with the federation before that i'd like to know a lot more about what that's all about um but i thought that was kind of cool
2: yeah absolutely
3: and, yeah and I, and I obviously from what they said in the opening i think it's been a year because they said they've gone from something like 38 planets to 59 planets now in the federation so they've been they've been going around handing out dilithium
2: for a year so far uh, when the show picked back up five five months right mm. Is well, that I, think, I, think, I
1: think it is five months. Yeah,
2: yeah. Months. That okay. seems like yeah.
0: really fast time to mine the dilithium and get it out to all of those. Yeah, planets. They
1: refit the entire ship in like two weeks.
0: <laughs> True.
2: This is <this> 32nd century
1: <laughs> technology.
2: Exactly. Programmable matter. And yeah. now we have Spore Drive, too. And now they're working on advanced Spore Drive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. One more, what more can Spore Drive do?
3: Yeah, right still not feeling those nacelles not attached to the ship though That's just- <laughs> I, I
0: genuinely and- forgot that was a thing
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's oh. funny I've seen some some models coming out and if yeah and, and if you notice they're they're you know, how do you do that you know you have to usually do an attachment it's got to be some kind of clear plastic where you can't see that they're still attached to the main model so I've seen some right. toys coming out I thought that was interesting I did notice in the opener. That the ship now has the, the new design with the nacelles not attached. You know, in the opening when they play the music and they show mm. all the oh the in credits? the credits. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, in the opening credits,
2: that.
3: yeah. The ship, the ship, the little cartoon ship does not have the nacelles attached because that opener is a little different. There's an yeah. image this of Burnham is, they show in it. Some it's it. a little
2: bit. Yeah, there's a little bits of it that are changed, but mm. that that stupid flower still blooms <laughs> when the crescendo <laughs> happens. Oh my God, I'm tired of that. Think of something new. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. So I thought the the opening was pretty interesting. I thought it was, it was, it was lighthearted. Um, one thing I noticed and I think it's very interesting, is Burnham's relationship with her crew is probably the loosest I've ever seen in a starship commander so far. And mm. that's not a bad thing. They because they're friends, they they generally they generally yeah. come off like they kind of like each other. Um Booker, of course, is not a member of the crew officially. He winks and calls her captain. But I I noticed that the the, the dynamic between her and the crew is much different than I've ever seen. I don't think I've ever seen any crew as close to the captain before, with the possible exception of Cisco and his crew later as they got to know each other. But I thought the dynamic was a very interesting dynamic. And I was waiting for that president to even comment on that, considering she came in and criticized the heck out of her.
2: <laughs> I was, was expecting her
3: to say, well, yeah, your relationship, your, your crew is too loose on top of everything else wrong with you. Yeah. Well, hey.
2: go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I love it.
1: It could just be because Burnham was one of the crew for so long. Yeah, exactly. they, they know her as a peer.
2: And she Absolutely. was she was actually like less than crew. She had no rank when yep. she first came on the ship. Right. And some of so them like... had
0: strong memories of her from prior to Discovery.
2: Mm-hmm. Exactly. And yeah. she was she was roomies with one of them. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Might
2: mm-hmm. still be. We don't know. <laughs> That's possible. <laughs> Surely not, though. Surely she gets her own quarters now. Yeah.
3: The the newly minted lieutenant, huh? Yeah. Lieutenant Tilly. Yeah. Detmer.
2: And Commander Owo and Detmer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And she love made a it. point. Uh, I noticed Burnham made a comment. She said something like, you deserved it. Basically, everyone deserved their promotion. So yeah. I thought that was cool that they did that as well.
2: Absolutely.
1: We even got Ensign Tal. And I love that like the Tilly now. Or they are like season one Tilly now.
3: Oh, that
2: was yes, funny. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Right. One point they go, OK,
3: I'm going to stop talking now. And I just like the way everybody just kind of laughed and just, but, just smiled
2: tolerantly. Yeah. That's a thing that Tilly did. Early on when she would kind of like nervously ramble and then she would tell herself to stop. And and it's a great parallel. I really love it. I thought so too. It's also interesting to see how much more in command of herself. Tilly is now. Mm -hmm. She's so much more sure of herself and I'm loving it. I I think she's a much more commanding presence than she's had before. And I think it's great.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I mean, I, I like when you get to the end of the show and then you can go back and the characters are so much different. But it's yeah. a growth that makes sense. And I think she's really been through some things that changed her as a character, which is good. absolutely, yeah. And I guess they're just going to pretend like we forgot that Stamets isn't the chief engineer <laughs> and that his lab is not engineering because he's down there <laughs> rerouting power and the Heisenberg compensators. And I was like, that's not even your job.
3: <laughs> i have that same question because um they still is it is it still the case that they cannot jump without him the sport drive well is they have they leaving? have
1: no they have a book now
3: what book can do the sport drive
1: yeah as of the end but- of season three book can do the sport drive
3: no, oh, that's
2: right. That's right. I
1: didn't dream but,
2: that. It really <laughs> <happened> <laughs> the show. I had no memory but, of this, but before I,
0: that's think, I mean. think
2: that's murder planet manipulating your <laughs>
3: dreams. No, you are correct. He did. But before yeah. on that what you were saying there, Charles, was if, I was just actually thinking if Stanlitz was running around doing chief engineer stuff, literally like two seconds after they showed him running around babbling about the Heisenberg compensator, they did a <laughs> spore jump. So I'm thinking, did he then run in there and plug himself in real fast and do a <laughs> score yeah. jump? And then when they get out, he runs around and he's doing all the engineering stuff again. And boy, you got to find somebody else. Somebody <laughs> else work here. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah.
3: That's not a good s- situation to be in, I thought. So yeah. I thought that was like, uh, interesting. Um,
2: yeah. let's, let's jump a little bit to mm-hmm. uh, Kaminar mm-hmm. and all the stuff oh. going on with Saru. And uh, what did you think of all that stuff?
3: Honestly, I found out not that the other part was not interesting. I found that <laughs> stuff because I thought I really enjoyed it. But I found the stuff on Kaminar, it held me even more than the other stuff.
2: Oh, really? Because I-, I was the other way around. I was like, yeah, they would cut back to uh, disco and I'd be like, oh, good. The fun part. <laughs> <here now."
1: laughs> yeah, I, I felt that way. Not until the that last scene with Saru and um, Sukal. Sukal. Yeah, yeah. Um, because they cut away from like exploding consoles and things on the discovery, like we're all gonna die. And then it's like, well, Saru, I should go back <laughs> into
3: space. Like,
2: Come on. Yeah,
3: that was a little abrupt.
2: <laughs> I, I do want to say on that point, I, I would I I I want Saru to be his own character, his own, mm-hmm. you know, in his own setting. I don't want him to be a one episode on Kaminar and then next week he's back on Discovery. I want right. there to be a little bit more exploration of w- what he's doing and the impact that all this is having on his people. And I- I'm, I'm so much more interested in that than just like a throwaway, you know, I'm on Kaminar. But next week I'm going to be back in uniform, yeah. you know?
1: I would rather he go to work with the president and be like that's an ambassador
2: what, or something. I think that's, that's, that's exactly what I want to see. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
3: It's funny. I'll say that because I thought that, too, because sometimes on shows like this, you wish that you could have two really major plots running all the time. But of course, mm-hmm. you know, you can't because as you're saying, I mean, I always thought on The Next Generation, even though it was never going to happen in a dream world, I wish Riker and Worf could have gotten their own ship. And Mm -hmm. we could have had two starships in the same show, which will never happen. So it's so funny y'all both said that, because I'm kind of like, even if if Saru comes back to the ship, it almost doesn't feel in a way right
2: or not yet. Oh, I agree. Like, what would his purpose be on the ship if he comes Mm -hmm. back? Mm -hmm. Exactly. I think that moving into a diplomatic role is exactly where his character is heading or at least needs to head. Yeah, I because agree. every role on Disco at this point is filled. Mm-hmm. There's right. no need for him to come back to the ship. Not that I don't want him to. I just want something different for him. Yeah.
3: Okay. And, and I, okay, I completely missed. Who is the first officer of Discovery now?
1: That triple.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: you saw that too, right? <laughs> I thought, oh my god, can we get away from Tribbles? <laughs> that little thing goes skirted by.
0: <laughs> it wasn't even a triple. Yeah, it was. It was flat on the bottom.
3: Well, tribbles can be Well, flat. true. Mm. That was weird. Yeah, I, th- that was a weird little scene. It was like a, a robot it. tribble. Well, the, <laughs> there was a walking
1: triple in the trouble with the triples that had a toy dog inside, and it was flat on the bottom. What? There was. <laughs>
0: A triple had a toy dog and it was flat on the bottom.
1: That's right. And it walked. The one that was walking on the bridge. on the, in the Let's not get sidetracked on the triple. Right.
2: <laughs> very Ho-
1: hopefully it's Reese because Reese was in the chair every time Burnham was gone. Uh,
2: that's that's what, what I was, I was thinking. thinking. Yeah, uh, man, that would be. I would be quite surprised if that were the case. I would be. I would, crazy. I would love it.
1: It'll probably it's be next the, week.
3: I was yeah, thinking.
2: I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna, I was going to say I, I totally agree. Saru will come back. He will be first officer and Reese will go back to not having any lines. Right.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, maybe for Doug Jones, that's what they need to do. But I think as you, what you said, Alan, I, I hadn't really thought about it like that. I think there's another path. Even if Saru ultimately comes back to the ship, I completely agree with you. I'd love to see him not do that. Maybe honestly, this entire season, you know, mm-hmm. take him somewhere else. I would love one of the reasons I was so uh, fascinated by what was going on in his home planet is the fact that they and the Ba'u, yeah. Are uh-huh. have gotten over their problems and that that cool meeting chamber underwater. Yeah, and the Ba'ul are literally one of the creepiest races I've seen in Star Trek in a long time. And I oh, thought yeah. it was fascinating to see them together now and uh, relating. That was wild.
1: Yeah, and I did like seeing Sukal call back, even though I thought that his scene was weirdly placed in the. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, but speaking of Saru, they are looking for a captain for the Voyager J.
2: Yeah, Yeah, but I don't think that that's going to end up being, I mean, it could be, but I don't know. I think he's he's been a little too erratic.
1: I don't think he's a very good captain. I think he's better at diplomacy. I think he's too easily manipulated. And
2: yeah, I I totally agree. I mean, we saw that plenty last time, last season, when he almost abandoned the mission to jump Mm -hmm. back to Kaminar. Um, But speaking of diplomatic missions, why is Book On a diplomatic mission with Burnham.
1: Well, she said so he could do his psychic thing.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. But he could talk to the butterfly people, which weren't (laughs) butterfly people. (laughs) I mean, mean, that's just I don't know. I don't know. know. That just seems weird.
1: Yeah. But I guess if you know, you have to you might get into a running firefight with somebody, I'd bring book.
2: Yeah. I don't (laughs) see why you would bring anyone who's not Starfleet.
1: Yeah, that's true. Well, now it could be that Book has inroads to some of these planets, too.
2: That is possible. He's and they could have there. said that.
1: They, right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong.
2: <laughs> so if Saru does come back to the ship, that would be the role for him.
1: Yeah. To be like the he ambassador right. at large.
2: Exactly. Yeah. And I can totally idea. see that being being the case. Yeah. That'd be great.
0: The ship ambassador. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah
3: what Troy should have been on Next Gen. Yes. But, thank you very much. But, but that's a side tangent. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we keep doing answer. that, but what you said, Charles always thought the same thing is how do you have a flagship and there's nobody who's a diplomat? You know, they yeah. go somewhere Picard's like give me an hour and I got to read up on all the legal thing, and I'm going to go negotiate. So I, <laughs> right. I, I agree. Yeah. Um, if the president hangs out long, she'll probably start complaining about book going on away missions too. Cause she seems like if she were going to, well, she's not going to be there long, right? She was the other evaluator one time. Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah.
3: I could I could see her having an issue with that as well.
1: And mostly just a hassler during every crisis.
2: I (laughs) mean, why why are you blowing up? Right. Yes. Yes. You are causing more problems than, I mean, holy cow. That would drove me nuts. Yeah.
1: It's like, Commodore stalker or something like, or yeah. Commissioner Ferris. Like, would you shut up and sit down?
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, but you know, disco has a habit of doing that thing where you're in like the, height of the crisis and everything stops for a conversation. Right. And this one was more infuriating than the other ones, because this was a a lady who was actively undermining an, an active mission. Yeah.
1: While things
3: are like exploding and things are hitting the ship.
2: That's insane.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That was such a throwback to what went on. And Charles, you mentioned Commodore Stalker and Ferris and some of these other commissioner Ferris. That was to me when I uh, I made a note that man that felt so much like the original series where there were mm-hmm. so many ambassadors and diplomats and yeah Commodores that came on and just really messing with Kirk. But I think Kirk would have handled that president differently than Burnham did. I don't think Kirk would have asked her Are you are you trying to relieve me? I don't think Kirk even would have given her the choice. He, I don't think he ever would have said that. I think Kirk would have said something like Kindly let me run my ship. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well I, I i actually enjoyed the interactions between mm-hmm. not only then in the mid of crisis but at the end of the episode yep. when they have their you know sidebar i really enjoyed um, mm-hmm. that that whole interaction between those two and the way that michael handled the situation
3: loved yeah. it oh yeah i like the interaction i think what we're saying is for the president to be on the ship in the middle of a crisis Lily criticizing was way out of line and Kurt oh i know there. that but yeah, you know, exactly. Kirk, Kirk would not have been as tolerant as Michael was. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I can, I can't imagine Kirk asking someone, "Are you, are you?" Because she basically one point said, "Are you going to uh, ask me to step down from the chair?" I can't see Kirk asking but, her that. But he's,
2: but she's not asking that. She's, she's challenging the president's position. Mm. She's saying, mm. "Is this what you're going to be doing?" Yeah. Because you know who else can, who else can do what I'm doing right now? Can you? Yeah. Anyway.
1: But yeah, I, I liked Relic I, and I like that they're using her to sort of set up, I think My- Michael's arc for the season where, you know, yeah. she's sort of facing a Kobayashi Maru type situation. Mm, you know?
2: Exactly. I was a, at first a little disappointed that they sort of immediately painted the president in an adversarial, you know, role, yeah. you know, like she and Burnham are going to butt heads and, you know, but they, I think they resolved it well at the end of the episode that she was there to needle Michael yeah. to see what she's made of, yeah. and to evaluate her for basically a promotion.
3: Yeah, and I, I, I think, I think the president's behavior on the bridge and, and during the during the you know the the battle, the crisis situation. I think her yeah. behavior, the president's behavior, was completely out of line. But as you say, Alan, at the end, I did write she wasn't "quote unquote" a bad person right she literally sees things differently than michael because she literally right. says michael cares too much and that's not necessarily a bad thing this is one of those where people have you know people have different approaches we yeah. keep i keep doing callbacks but it goes back to the famous um captain um what's his name jellico
2: yeah um, chain
3: of command yeah there's there's different ways to approach things so i don't honestly i didn't personally feel that the behavior michael has displayed should disqualify her from another ship but that just is that president's position yeah because as michael said y'all wouldn't be here now if i didn't do the things i've been doing yeah but that's that's also one of the most common conflicts in all of star trek is
2: exactly
3: that when you get somebody <laughs> saying you know you fly by the seat to your pants and you got to go by the rules and somebody says and if i did follow the rules exactly we wouldn't be here so i thought that was a nice mm-hmm. uh really kind of nostalgic feeling in yeah. exchange between agreed the two
2: yeah. Agreed. And I like
1: that Burnham is and she always has been, but she's very much a twenty-third century captain. Where, yeah. You know, it's like someone's got to pilot this mission and the, you know, I'm the best pilot. I'm on my way. You know, like well, yeah. oh whoa, oh, yeah. you shouldn't be leaving the bridge, should you? But right. uh, you know, and she's always been that way. Like, you know, right. A lot of the things Burnham does, Kirk would do if he was the commander Absolutely. on the show or the captain on the show. He he would be the one breaking out of a cell and going to save the day. And, you know, <laughs> right.
3: Yeah. And also, I got to give the president props because what she did by looking up that guy's history and using it to oh, yeah. talk yeah. him down—that was that was absolutely fine. Yeah. And Alan, you said something about the, the the action slows for the conversation. I thought it was a little weird that in the midst of a crisis, and they thought they were going to die. Michael calls the president, go, hey, did you really? Have you ever been there where you lied? Yeah. Like seriously, right. in the middle of this crisis, you're asking her. And actually, who cares? I actually right. don't care. Like, who right. cares? Yeah, yeah.
1: exactly. That, that's a conversation for like. The quiet conversation on the ride back. Hey, right. you, did you really know? I have to know the truth. You know, not yeah. Like we're the st- things are still spinning and exploding. Like, let's, let's get out of here first.
2: <laughs> exactly.
1: Now, before we finish with this though, I gotta, I gotta say, I loved Commander. I think it was Nallas, the guy who was in charge of yes. deep space repair station Beta Six. Did I get that yes, right? Yes, correct. I thought he was great. Uh uh-huh. Kind of like the guy in the beginning, where he's just kind of funny and. <laughs> Yeah, I, I liked him.
3: Okay, but what was his plan? What was his plan? I mean, because she kept saying it was insane. What was he trying to do? Was he trying to walk outside to get to the ship? Because
2: remember she yes. said it was suicide?
3: Yeah. Yes.
2: Yes, to, to go through an area that has no atmosphere. Okay. So basically hold your breath.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that didn't make much sense. Okay.
1: <laughs> but do they yeah. all not have like spacesuits that pop out of their uniform or is that I don't know. A, That's a
2: uniform <laughs> on? They That's a very good question.
1: Like that should be standard by now. <laughs> that, that exactly. That
0: whole scene with her hair like flying everywhere, and then all of a sudden everything just whoop, contained, and yeah. it just it just went on forever. It, yeah, and, it, it lasted entirely well, slow too- motion. <laughs> yes. It still lasted entirely too long in slow motion. Do the slow motion,
2: yeah.
0: w- 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 and then you're back. Not. Yeah.
2: W- w- I I, am, say, I the, am, am I the only one who thought of Willow Smith with my hair? No. I didn't
3: think of that. That works. <laughs> Man, that could be an internet meme. You could do that. Yes, it could. Put some music to it. You can't All right. it to it. I'm so doing that. <laughs> do oh, I'm about to go viral. <laughs> yep. But no, I, I do think, but you know, and that's one of those where you, you put it down. Because my first thought, as you were saying, Veronica, my first thought always is in every situation like that, you're in outer space, you're gonna have a spacesuit nearby. I mean, you just are, so I thought the same thing. And even with that thing, I was a little weird. It, like, it took her helmet, her energy helmet, it took it a while to come, unless because it was slow motion. It seemed like it took a long time for that helmet to come online. So mm-hmm. I was yep. thinking, I was like, man, if you had a spacesuit on with a physical helmet, you wouldn't have to worry about that. But I guess it was for the action part of it, right?
1: Yeah, they need to incorporate force fields into their tri combat. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Exactly. Yeah. All right. So one last thing we haven't addressed right. yet before we finish this segment. We, Archer. No one ha- Thank you. I got it down here. You yes. know, <laughs> being the enterprise lover that I am, I was so yes. excited to have a name check for Archer, but also to have hey, the, Archer, the Archer fanfare mm-hmm. play over that. Yes. Oh my gosh. I was so Love yeah. it. I even got that. <laughs> <laughs> good job.
1: Thanks. It should have been faith of the heart. That's my only
2: point. no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 So no, that yes, was good. I, yeah, I love yeah. it.
1: Yeah, it was and nice I, really,
2: I really did love the president. I mean, she's giving it, it's almost like two different characters. She's giving that speech. You yeah. know, and the opening of Starfleet Academy. And I absolutely love that. And then she comes on the ship. But they explained at the end why she was acting so much differently. And I, I loved it. I, mm-hmm. I, I really am looking forward to seeing more of her character.
3: You yes. know, what's weird about that, Alan, is what you're saying is between the, 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 the weird thing was the relationship between Burnham and the president and yes. the scene with Adira. Adira.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: When Adira saw that person die, you know, they're going to have a problem with that. That and Michael's relationship with the president felt like such classic Trek to me in a lot of mm-hmm. ways. It was it was good. Some people who don't like the series have complained it doesn't feel like Trek, and that's a whole other issue. But I love the fact that there were some really good character interactions there. And yeah. so What you're saying about the president, that really did it. Did it felt like a very it felt like a classic kind of Trek thing. And I love the thing not the thing that Adira on that mission they were so nervous and then saw a person die, which is yeah. what's going to happen.
2: And I that's something. I'm with you. I love that moment. Mm-hmm. and I'm, right. I'm looking forward to seeing if there is going to be some, you know, emotional carryover from that moment into the next episode. Absolutely. Oh, man. That um, was so nice. Last thing. So the president's part, Cardassian? Cardassian mm-hmm. and uh, Bajoran. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. And Human, oh, I and human right. Yeah. And Human. Okay. I missed the eyes. And did y'all notice
3: on the station there was uh, one of Morn's people in the background? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> this, disco has been all about them for the, <laughs> the past two seasons. I love it. Yeah, I, well, I do just, too, uh, man. <laughs> yeah.
1: I still so, pretend oh. every one of them is mourn. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly.
3: Oh, and, we, and, and real quick, because we got to go, but yep. what is the galaxy's threatening thing and what the heck has happened to Books Planet? That's the oh, thing. Oh, dude. Funny.
2: If anybody has been watching the current season of Doctor Who, you know that what happened to (laughs) Book's Planet is, (laughs) and and I know, Keith, you don't watch Doctor -uh, Who, so you might not know about The Flux. (laughs) I've only heard about it. But (laughs) but, it is like exactly the same effect.
3: Uh, (laughs) Wow. Because it was that weird thing. So the, the Flux birds. is
2: far-reaching all the way into the future <laughs> and into a okay. whole different franchise.
3: <laughs> yeah, because it was a weird thing with the birds, and then the whole thing with that station with some weird gravimetric Flux. And, <laughs> and right, and then the, his planet at the end, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Yeah. That one caught me off guard.
2: That I was mean, a good boy. ending. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. bad for his people, but a good yeah. ending for you know a a, a, a nice cliffhanger.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I, I thought that the Gravity Anomaly is perfect for uh, the director, Olatunde Onsen-Sanmi. They, yeah. He directed the premiere of this one. He's done a lot of Discovery uh, Direction, yep. but you can turn the camera upside down as much as you want, and it makes sense. So it's it's, it's perfect for his style, because <laughs> he loves to turn the camera upside does, down. That's true. <laughs> that is true. Okay, well, yeah, give us a lot to talk about. It's a good start to the season. I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to more.
2: Yeah, I can't wait. Can't wait. Same here.
1: All right, Alan, where can people find more of you on the internet?
2: Well, let's see. Um, You can find me at cosmicpress.com, K-O-Z-M-I-C press.com. You can find me on the Hulanta Facebook group and page. And you can find me right here on Earth Station Trek.
3: (laughs) How about you, Keith? You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and the Earth Station Network Facebook groups. (laughs) I have a (laughs) great (laughs) one. First station One Network Groups. Facebook there
0: you groups. go. Woo-hoo. Boy. How about us, Veronica? Feltnerdy.com.
3: Yep.
1: And do you have a closing for us this week?
0: Go see Feltnerdy.com. <laughs> that's not
1: wow. a closing. <laughs> wow.
0: I just made that up.
1: Yeah. Well, as I say on Earth, that's a shit show.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was a squiggle.
1: Thank you for listening to Earth Station Trek. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a positive rating. You can also send us feedback at earthstationtrek at gmail.com. You can join in the fun on our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter. You can also visit us online at earthstationtrek.podbean.com. We'll see you next time. Live long and prosper.